now recording. Okay. Thanks for the reminder. Awesome. Thanks, Val. Appreciate it. Good to be with you guys this morning. Um, if you can't tell I'm in my car, wasn't planning that. <laughs> just kind of happened. Um, was supposed to go to Panera for uh, just sit and have a Zoom meeting and it just worked out this way. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been exciting to be home. Um, been been really fun to be able to sit with people and just talk about what's happening here in America and what's happening in Zambia and just kind of uh, sit and be an encouragement and be encouraged by people. Um, I, uh, I've been telling everybody it's fun. I always love coming home because uh, I get to be reminded of all the stuff God's done in the past um, as we look forward. And it's, it's just been a lot of fun. So um, for those of you who don't know, um, my wife and I live in Zambia. We've been there. I've been there since 2016. Um, and then my wife and I have been specifically in this current location since uh, 2018, technically. Um, realistically, not till early 2019, but um, technically speaking, we started in 2018. And uh, we basically were given 1,200 acres of land out in this very remote part of uh, Zambia. Um, when I say remote, I mean like, um, you know, we're like six hours from the nearest grocery store, um, 18 hours from the nearest movie theater. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just, just pretty far out. And uh, so when we got there, there was nothing on the ground. There was no, you know, no electricity, no water, no buildings, no roads, um, you know, just bush um, out on this property. And so we were tasked with the, the, you know, the job of trying to figure out how to establish a mission base for the purpose of having a, you know, a long-term mission movement out in that area. And so that's what we've been working on the past year and a half. And it's been, been amazing to watch. Um, my main job that I do, um, like, you know, if you're looking at my hours, what I do most with my hour in my day, um, it's going to be building. I do a lot of um, construction projects while I'm out there helping guys learn how to build. Um, obviously, there's not a lot of skill set in Zambia, um, at least where we are. There's not a lot of skilled builders. And so I'm teaching them how to use a tape measure, how to use how to properly use a hammer, how to how to you know build forms for concrete, how to make straight lines, you know, just the, just the basics of of building. And um, so so you're left in a place of trying to figure out, all right, Lord, like, um, you know, obviously building is a good thing and, and um, praise God for it. But, you know, you didn't send me to Africa to build. You sent me to, you know, make disciples of all nations. So, like, how do I do that in the midst of, you know, building a mission base? And so it was really just this morning, you know, what kind of started. Some of you guys may remember this from last time because it, it had just begun um, then. Um, but basically, I just opened up my morning to whoever wanted to come. And so I started to build a relationship with people and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be around the fire at the property at our base, you know, around five, six in the morning. And so if you want to come, you know, we'd be, I'd, I'd be free to share with you and talk with you about things. And so, you know, for, for a while, maybe like, you know, five or six people would come every morning and we would just sit and pray and, and I'd share with them and they'd ask questions. And I had a translator. So the translator would help us, help us talk. And, um, and it started to grow, you know, from, from there, you know, 10 people would come and then, and then 12 and then 15 and then 18 and 20 and just like that. And then, you know, so now for the past about year, uh, we've had anywhere from 50 to 70 people come six days a week for anywhere from two hours to four hours every morning. So um, it's been pretty amazing to watch, um, you know, from that, from that 
morning time of fellowship is where basically everything's happened. We now have from that group, we now have uh, about 20 leaders raised up that are um, passionate about uh, missions or ministry and um, praying for people and going out and sharing the word. Um, you know, when you get, when you, when you take six days a week, that many hours in a day to, uh, to study and pray and, and, and pour through the word, you, you grow pretty quickly. So um, it's been awesome. And uh, so we have about eight, eight full-time um, ministry partners, meaning um, that's their full-time job. All they, all they do just like myself is uh, worry about the ministry. And um, so this past year, just to give you guys some updates, um, like some numbers, you know, here, here, like what's going on. Those, those people, uh, those eight and the 20 have been going out together in different areas and uh, sharing the ministry and different things. And I had them record all of their um, information. Like how many villages did you go to? How many, um, you know, people did you see? How many people did you pray for? That, those kind of things. And uh, they came this year, they reported that they had almost 5,000 people come to faith through their ministry. And um, so it's just, it's been fun. It's been incredible to watch. If you had asked me, you know, a year or two ago, if this is what I expected, I, I probably would have said yes. <laughs> so, um, and, and I think the beautiful part about it too, and, and I've, been, I've been really, I've been really squeezed to make sure I share this with people back in the States is, you know, we don't have, we're not some ministry with some amazing Bible theological training, you know, like I'm, I'm not raising up 20 theologians. I'm raising up 20 people who love Jesus and, and they're going out and doing the work and um, it's amazing and, and they're not perfect, and, but none of us are. And so, uh, you know, it's okay. And there's times where things get, you know, things happen and, you know, as a leader, I have to, you know, step in and help and provide counsel and wisdom and that kind of thing. But um you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just so, I'm so excited and so happy that it doesn't have to be this structured religious approach that it can really just be, let's spend time with Jesus. Let's just be with, let's just be with, let's just be with our King as much as we can and enjoy that and wake up every day excited about that. You know, get out of bed and think, man, I'm so excited to spend my day with Jesus you know, instead of, you know, rolling over and snoozing your alarm six times and, you know, grumpily getting out of bed, like, you know, obviously there's grace for that. We all, we all have probably days where we, <laughs> we experience that, but, um, you know, to be able to wake up every morning and just realize that, you know, the creator of the universe has put his Holy Spirit in us to effectively bring heaven to earth. And that's his, that was his number one plan like he you know we're not his backup plan we're his that's what he decided that's what his decision was and how, how he was gonna like uh bring heaven to earth and um so it's just been a lot of fun um you know more so more so probably than the five thousand people coming to faith this year um i'm excited about the the 20 um because if, if you can get people on fire for the lord where they're willing to sacrifice their personal lives um for the sake of the gospel, it's a big deal, you know? And so I think, you know, for a guy like me, who's would consider myself somebody who's trying to make disciples, not necessarily converts, um, you know, I'm, I'm much more excited about those guys. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a big task to, um, to raise up that many leaders and to actually send them out with um, in an effective capacity, because, you know, if, if Val, you'd probably know this really well, and maybe some of you other guys do as well, um, any, any ministry you do costs money. There's no, <laughs> there's no other way around it. 
um, if you're doing ministry, you're, you're using money, you know, it doesn't matter. Even, even in our context here in the States, you know, it could be as something as little as, you know, maybe you have a couple that you're or a friend that you're trying to like help, you know, get over some issues in your life and their life. And so, you know, you take them out to dinner and stuff and, you know, maybe you buy their dinner, like that you're doing ministry and, and it costs money, you know? So, um, the reality is with these 20 guys, you know, there's there, we need to take care of their families. Their families need to have their needs met, um, so they can live and, and, uh, you know, not, not be suffering and, uh, be able to focus on the gospel and know that God's taking care of them. And, um, you know, there's certain, you know, equipment things that they need, you know, camping gear and a motorbike and different things to be able to go out to these villages. So, um, you know, we're just believing this time while we're home for, for, uh, some resources that can help send out more of these guys in a full-time capacity. I'd say of that, of those 20, we probably have 10 right now that are ready to launch full-time. Um, so we could have, we could have 18 people, um, you know, pretty quickly, uh, doing full-time ministry to these different areas. And, you know, it's just, when you're full-time in it, it's just the, the capacity for what God can do. And it is just, you know, exponentially increased. And so we're really excited about that. Um, there's a, we also have some new, uh, new, new updates. It's not just Kelly and I anymore. Um, for, for those of you who have kind of been following a little bit, it's just been Kelly and I for, for a long time. And over the past six months, um, God has provided some, uh, other missionaries to step into the, to the work long-term with us. And so we, uh, officially have, um, six months ago, we got another couple and a single, uh, female missionary to join our team. And they live with us now. And then just three weeks before we came back to the States, we got another two single missionaries to join us. So we now have a pretty big team that side, which is amazing. And um, it really helps with uh, with the work growing because we were very much an outreach organization. We're very much an outreach team. And so, you know, there's a lot of areas. I'd say in a two hour, if you drive in two hours uh, in any direction from where we are, um, you, we have the capacity to reach over, you know, about a hundred thousand people. So, um, you know, there's a lot, uh, a lot of work to be done and, um, but it's been a lot of fun. So wanted to give you guys that little bit of an update, um, to be praying about, be praying for those new believers, be praying for those, uh, our 20, 28 ish leaders that are, um, that are, you know, going out and doing the ministry and stepping into a calling that God has for them. Um, some of you may, understand what that feels like, but it is, it, it can be quite, uh, unnerving and, and, uh, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what, what God's going to do. Uh, so it does take a big step of faith and, um, yeah, just be praying also that, uh, you know, the finance would come in for, for those guys to be able to go out for, uh, to provide for their salaries, um, to provide for their ministry expenses for the ministry that they want to do. Um, uh, you know, we don't, we don't really give them a, um, a structure for how they need to do ministry. Um, we kind of empower them. And then, you know, as they get ideas and vision, we kind of try and help them figure out what that's going to look like. So, um, yeah, be praying for that. Um, that's really my update guys. Um, for now, if you guys have questions, feel free to ask, um, outside of that, I was hoping to, uh, just hopefully, uh, share some encouragement that's been on my heart. Some things that, uh, I feel like the guy's just been, been putting on my heart to share with specifically the American church, but, uh, it's just, it's just Christians in general. Um, 
So I don't know if we should open up for questions now, Val, before we uh, let's, yeah, go, go a little further with what you with what God's laying on your heart, because we start asking questions. We might uh, blow through the time <laughs> and I'd really like for you to share with us. We'll we'll get to the questions. We'll save maybe the last 10 or 15 minutes uh, for Great. that. So. And um, on my phone, it doesn't keep the time on. So, Val, if you just want to like kind of I'll if just, I get too I'll long, just, just mute you, you know, I'll just mute you. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're fine. We got uh it's about five after uh seven, so we got about twenty-five minutes. So feel free to just share and if we have if some of the guys can stay, some will have to go to work. So that's um you know, if if it goes longer than that. So but yeah, we'd love to love to get some questions asked. But go ahead and share what's on your heart with the American church. Yeah, you know, I just been um obviously coming back to the states, obviously there's a lot of um this is the first time I've been back in America where um, I actually feel like it's different. Um, meaning I feel like there's just a different climate um, here, um, a social, a different social climate, different emotional climate, um, different spiritual climate. And, um, you know, I've just been asking God, like, God, like, what does that look like? And, you know, I, I'm not really in it. I'm, I'm around it. And, but I, you know, I, I don't really, I didn't go through COVID this past year and a half. We didn't really get hit the way America got hit out in the bush, you know? And, um, you know, we didn't have this huge um, election over in Zambia, you know, and so I, and I wasn't here to sit with people. And um, so I've just been asking the Lord. And, um, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I think I get some amazing, astounding wisdom, some amazing, um, you know, knowledge to share. And then I just feel like the Lord just kind of takes me back to the to the root of it all, you know. And, um, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, we... Um, as Christians, we, we start to get focused too much on what we're doing and, um, and, and even I'll, I'll kind of say it this way, doing what we think is right. Um, which is obviously what we should do. We, those things are, you know, we should be doing what we think is right. We should follow our convictions, follow our leadings, you know, behave in a way that we think lines up with our biblical understanding. And that's obviously the way we're supposed to live, but you know, if we're not careful, we start to over-focus on that. And we, we, we fail to fall back on the reality that we're just called to be like Jesus. We're just, and not even be like him. We're called to be with him. You know, like, like what's, what should be the resounding, you, you know, um, fruit of our life is that people take note that we were with Jesus. I've been, I've been sharing this, this scripture with everybody that I meet just to drive this point home. You know, in Acts chapter four, where Peter and John were in front of the, you know, Pharisees and Sadducees because they had been preaching about Jesus. And, um, you know, they they had them beaten and flogged and then sent away. And they, when the Pharisees and Sadducees were talking, it said they, they, they were amazed because these were unskilled and uneducated men. But they took note because they had been with Jesus. And, you know, just that reality of, man, like, can we just wake up every day? And just be excited about Jesus living on the inside of us, not wake up every day and thinking about, you know, what's our stance on COVID vaccines or not, or what's our stance on COVID masks or not, or what's our stance on, you know, the Kyle Rittenhouse case, or what's our stance on, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, I, I think we wake up and we want to check the news really quick and we want to figure out, you know, what our day is going to look like. And, um, 
if we're not careful, we, we miss the whole point of our faith. You know, we miss the whole point of our whole point of our faith is not to do anything. The whole point of our faith is to be with him. Like, and I'm, that's coming from a missionary, a missionary who like, obviously I'm doing a lot. Like I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I do a lot of things for the Lord. And so I'm not saying we don't do those things, but what makes me do those things is not my desire to change the world or my desire to, you know, make, make some massive shift in, in the world around me. It's actually just because I'm just trying to be Jesus. I'm just trying to look like him. I'm, I'm called to that. That's I wake up every day thinking, man, Christ died on the cross so that I would no longer be bound in sin, but that I'd have freedom. And that in that freedom, I'd start to look like him. And then when I look like him, people would be drawn into a place with him. And then Jesus can change their life that way. And that's, you know, and so I just, um, yeah, I, I, I just wish that we would look at each other. Coming back to America, you know, it, it's been it's been almost a shock a little bit. I, I was walking down the street, you know, one of the first days I got back and nobody nobody would look at me. They were, everybody was looking down and like, they, you know, they wouldn't make eye contact, you know, and it's just, you know, I don't know if you guys notice that or not, you know, living here, but it's not, that's not how it is around the world. Like most places around the world, when you're walking down the street or whatever, and you pass somebody, you like smile and like, you know, greet them. And here, most people don't, they look away, they look down or they look at their phone, like nobody stops and like actually looks at you. You're, you're muted again, Bradley. Is that better? Sorry about that. Well, yep. There was a, there was a glitch for a second and it, apparently you got muted in the process. Okay. Hey, I, man, I'll tell you what, I'm, I, I hear you. I, I always find it fascinating when the missionaries come back into our country, because if they've been gone for any length of time, there's a, there's a definite shift in, in where, you know, where our country was and where our country is on any given three or four years, you know, and uh, so, uh, boy, I think you've spoken very, very well and very deep into our hearts. We, we need to be uh, more concerned about what God wants versus what, what we want. And, and how do we, how do we be Jesus? Because there are only so many people, you know, people that, People can't see Christ except how they see him through us. And, uh, you know, Christ will definitely deal with issues when he comes back. But some of those issues are changed by changing the heart right now versus trying to change by legislation or uh, revolt or whatever term, you know, whatever concepts you have. I had one thing I was I really was I was really appreciative when you were talking about theologians and, and being trained or not trained. Yeah. I was thinking uh, I've been doing some reading and some study both historically and theologically in a particular direction. And uh, one of the things that came up recently in, in my my thought process and in my reading was that for about the first 500 years of the church, uh, the only the only theologians that there were were pastors. There were no, and it wasn't until about five, 600 AD that they became, the theologians moved from the pastorate into the, into the monasteries. And, and they were the monks, you know, that, that were studying deeply. And, and then, and then about 17, 1800, something like that, 
during the Enlightenment, we we became uh, important. You know, theologians were were uh, moved to the schools, to colleges, universities, and now that's where you know apparently theologians are supposed to reside. And yet, God, I think, wants all of us to be theologians and to know how to handle his word and to understand him. And the only way you understand him is by being with him. So awesome, awesome point. Uh, I just like really, the more you spend time with God, I think the more, the deeper you're going to get your theology right. So amen. Guys, you got questions? I got some, but I'm going to open it up. What, what province are you in? I have a map of uh, Zambia on my screen here. Uh, Northwestern province. You can, um, if you type in um, Mwinilunga, M-W-I-N-I-L-U-N-G-A, um, we're like 45 minutes from the, 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 the town center from there. Going out, going out west. It's easy for you to pronounce that and even spell it. <laughs> so, so what are the, what, what's the uh, what, what type of languages? I see that English is listed as, as one of the languages, but it looks like there's a there's a whole list of languages in that area. Yeah. So, so in the country of Zambia, there's like 72 different languages, um, like tribal languages. Um, English is the accepted train language. So meaning, you know, when you go into the big cities, um, capital cities and stuff, all the publications are in English. Um, everybody you talk to will speak English um, in the cities. Obviously, when you get out of the villages, it's not quite that way. You'll find some people who speak English um, and then but most of them uh, can't read or write or understand English at all. They just speak their whatever tribal language they, they speak. Um, where we are, it's really only one tribal group um, called the Lunda people. Um, there are a couple other languages that are understood where we are, but um, it's not their actual, the language that they normally speak. How do you communicate with, uh, with the, your native peoples that are where you are? So that's one of the benefits of being in a country where the trade language is English. Um, we, we get to pull on some of some people to help us with uh, translating. And so I'll almost always have a translator with me. Um, and generally we have two or three with us at a time, especially at the beginning, less now because we found people that we trust. But at the beginning, we would normally have at least two or three people that can translate presence in any kind of interaction just to make sure that what was being translated was accurate. Um, and then obviously my wife and I are also learning. So um slow though they don't have you know there's no hooked on phonics or rosetta stone for uh for lunda so it, it's a little harder to learn mm. you, you talked about I, uh, go ahead no i was just say but uh um, i have learned like greetings and i can listen a lot more than i can speak like when people are talking i can follow along with what they're trying to say I might get like tenses messed up. Like, are they talking past tense or future tense or whatever? But um, I can kind of follow along the, the subject of what they're saying. What uh, what kind of funding is necessary for your uh, full time people there in Zambia? What 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 is a, a you know what's it take to uh, supply support somebody like that for a, for a, a year a month uh, whatever? Yeah. So for one, for one full-time person, um, their salary, this is, this is their salary and their like ministry expenses, um, is going to take around two to $300 a month. 
um, depending on the person. Um, some have like either a bigger ministry or maybe a larger family. And so they might need a little bit more or less income. Uh, but right around two to $300 a month, we'll get one person uh, pay their full-time salary and get them out to full-time ministry. And to us, it sounds like nothing, uh, but to them, it's like, and they'd almost feel like they'd be living rich off of that, honestly, um, and, and with how rural we are. Um, they generally live off of, you know, a dollar a day or so to maybe $2 a day is like the, probably the normal, um, what you find in the villages. And so, and when I say that, I don't mean they don't actually make a, a dollar amount. What I mean is like when they farm and they harvest what they harvest and are able to sell generates about a dollar or two a day worth of income for the year. Um, so, so yeah, two to three hundred dollars a month. And then, um, there would be some potential like one-time costs needed. So like I said, like a tent, sleeping bag, sleeping mats, um, you know, for going out to these villages and setting up a camp while they, while they go out to share the word and, and do ministry and different things. And then um, obviously a motorbike as well. Uh, for most of them, they need a motorbike to go to some of the rural parts. Most of the places that we go to ministry, you actually can't get a vehicle to. Um, you need to take footpaths and different things. So um, motorbikes are super, super, super helpful. And those are about, those are about 2500 to $3,000, depending on the exchange rate at the time of purchase. So that can be, if anybody's, you know, thinking about it or whatever, or even if you have friends or people you'd like to share with, like, you don't have to necessarily do all of it. You could do a portion of it. Um, you could commit to a certain amount of different things. So we have people that support $10 a month. We have people that support, you know, $1,000 a month. And so, um, you know, any and all things go towards that are helpful. But. Bradley, do me, a, do me a favor and send me uh, the information on where to send funds or whatever, you know, all that. So, and I'll disperse that to everybody. Great. So that they'll, have, they'll be aware of how to do that. Okay. Yep. Good. Good. Are, are there other, what are the other religions in the area and are they competing with each other in any sense or like you know they talked someone talked about you know muslims persecuting the christians uh in parts of africa i mean is there anything like that going on or um i think the biggest competition that if you're going to call it that um would be animism which is the the like the local the traditional um, religion which would be like witchcraft like um, different things like that, because the reason that one's so hard uh, is because people don't realize how much it, how much it, they mix it with their Christianity. And so you'll meet somebody and you think they're like on fire for the Lord and they're doing all this stuff. And then, you know, you, you talk to your friend and you're like, ah, they're like, ah, no, those, you see those three cuts on their arm, those ones, they're just very new. And so they had this witchcraft done to them. And so like, there's even these things, you know, they're still like putting like stuff in charms in their arms and different things. And so it's just, a, that's probably the hardest transition to get people to make um, is away from some of these uh, practices that a lot of times are not even from a spiritual standpoint, but just from like a physical standpoint are very dangerous um, for their health um, and they just don't realize it. So, uh, but there is, there is a small presence of Islam um, in Zambia. It's more so on the eastern side of the country than where we are. We do have in that little town that I mentioned, Mulilunga, there is um, a small group of, of Muslims, but, you know, it's very, very small and they're not very, um, 
evangelistic. They, you know, they kind of just keep themselves. They, uh, and, and don't really go out too much. So we don't really, how, have do, you, how do you, how do you spell animism? Uh, animism, A N I M I S M. Animism. Yeah. Animism is, uh, to, uh, uh, basically it, it has to do with, uh, worshiping, uh, spirits that are found in rocks or rivers or trees or sky or earth. Um, it's a, uh, it's probably the most primitive of all of the religions out there. And it's one that a lot of, uh, people who have not had a lot of experience with, you know, with the outside would find, you know, we think, think of it this way. Think of, uh, when, when Israel, uh, was working with the Canaanites, they had developed, Canaanites had developed a, ver- a variety of religions, but it was all based originally on animism because they worshiped the God of the mountain or the God of the, the storm or the God of fertility or, you know, so uh, they, they personified it more than, than, than animism is. So it's a step or two above that, but it all has its roots originally in animism. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, in Africa, or at least in Zambia, where we are too, a lot of it's tied to ancestors. So there's a lot of yeah, yeah. ancestral spirits. And, um, you know, when family members die, depending on how it happens, you know, that ancestral spirit could either help you or cause you problems. And, um, you know, it, there's a lot of really, yeah, really unhealthy that's, teachings. Yeah. That, that, that you can trace that around the world too. You know, you've got places in, uh, in Central America and in, in South America, you've got uh, Japan big on ancestral worship. Uh, so it's it's not a you know it's not unusual. You're hoping that, um, and again, you can see how even in a Christian church, how easily it would be to fall towards that, because we talk about the fact that those who have gone before, they're still part of the body of Christ. So it's easy to fall into that and to go, okay, well, you know. I'm going to start praying to my uncle or I'm going to start praying to a saint because they are going to help me. It all starts off as, you know, from a Christianity standpoint, it starts off very well in the fact that we, we acknowledge that those who have gone before are still part of the body of Christ. But if we take it a, t- a step or two further, it can go sideways very quickly. So it's easy to see how it would go, you know, how it could mix very easily with, with religion, you know, with, with Christianity. Any other thoughts, questions? Come on, let's give them some hard ones. Come on. You hadn't had to think at all. Besides, besides money, what is your greatest need? Um, that's a great question. Um, I mean, Personally, personally, I'd say I need somebody that can build so I don't have to anymore. <laughs> but, uh, man, I don't know. Um, you know, obviously, we'd love to have more people come out. Um, you know, it's hard, it's hard from the States. There's not a lot of um, um, these tangible things that can be provided outside of finance that would, would help us. Um, obviously, I, you know, be praying for us. That's obviously a given. Um uh, I don't think, I don't think I have to encourage Christians very often. A lot of people are often praying for us, um, which is, which is amazing. We need that. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, there's not really much hard. That's a hard, that's a hard question. What what would it look like for someone to come out to visit you? I can't imagine it's a week journey. It's a month journey, right? I'd say you could, you could make a two week trip. Two week trip would be like two weeks would be like from the time you left America, the time you get back. Um, we could generally make something like that happen. Um, and it really depends on what kind of experience you're looking for. Um, you know, you can very easily just, what's that? Resort. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come to me for that one. <laughs> um, you know, if, if, so, you know, we do have in Overland missions, we do have an expeditions department, which deals with those short-term mission trips. And so you could always sign up for one of those. And then, um, you know, especially if there's one coming to our area, you could sign up for that and then they would be bringing you to where we, we are. Um, and that's obviously more cookie cutter. It's easier to process. You just get in and go for it. If you want more of like a, like a personal, you know, situation experience, um, you know, you could just get on the phone with me and find out, you know, let me know what your schedule is and I'll let you know what my, our schedule is on the ground. And then we can just, you know, plan flights separate and get your, your visa that you would need and everything set up. And then you just kind of come over on a personal trip and visit. It's actually very easy. It's not difficult. Um, but any of those things we're planning a, um, I just sat with Steve Andrews two weeks ago. Um, it's not an official Kensington trip, but we're, we're busy planning a uh, father, son, um, like building trip. So he's in a, he's got a few guys with their sons who are like teenagers, um, age that, um, have a building skill set and a building mindset and they're going to come over and help us do some of the building projects that we have. So that'll be like June of this year. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of, and like I said, that's not, that's not through Overland specifically, like through the exhibition department, that's not through Kensington. That's just me, Steve, and a couple guys sitting and, and making plans and, and working it out. So. It's awesome. And cost wise, uh, if you guys are just wondering what costs would look like, you're looking at probably, a safe number would be $2,000 for airfare. Um, you can get it for as cheap as 1200 round trip. Um, but it's, it's rare to find it at that price. Um, so you're probably looking around $2,000 for air, airfare, maybe like another $200 for your visa. And then expenses while you're on the ground are pretty minimal. So, um, you know, if you want to buy souvenirs or and have a, if there's a certain amount of snacks that you want to have on hand, um, so you don't go hungry, uh, you'll want to account for that. But so I'd say, I'd say probably easily less than three grand, um, in a two week period. Um, you know, 2,500 to three grand is probably a safe range. You, uh, you mentioned, uh, snacks. What, uh, uh, if, if somebody was to come over there, what kind of, uh, what, what kind of food would, would they be uh, exposed to? You eat beetles. Yeah. <laughs> They're really crunchy beetles. <laughs> um, no, in the village, um, the main food is called uh, Nshima. It's also known as like uh, Pap in other parts or um, trying to think of another name for it. Um, it's, it's, it's really common all across Africa, but they just have different names for it. Uh, but basically, it's just uh, field corn, not sweet corn, field corn, dried, shucked, um, pounded into a powder like a flour and then boiled with water. And it becomes really thick, really really dense, really sticky to the point where you can really like break a chunk off and you, you roll it into a ball. And then um, you, you would stick your thumb into it to kind of make it like a spoon shape. And then you would dip that into other foods like they've prepared with it. So that's going to be your main food. And then you'll have like 
maybe some vegetables or maybe like when I say vegetables, usually like a leafy green, like um, something similar, like a collard green or like pumpkin leaves or something like that. And then um, maybe like beans or, you know, a small minnow fish called, they call them capenta or caterpillars or things like that would be normal foods. Um, you wouldn't have to necessarily eat that, um, depending on what the trip would look like. If you came over, if you ate on our, if you ate on our base, we'd have that same shima, but we'd usually have it with like eggs or, um, a certain type of chicken sauces that you can find in the country. Um, so you wouldn't have to eat too, too crazy of food, but you can, if you want, I can get you all the, all the fun bush food. If you'd like to eat that. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> <laughs> we can do bush rat we can do uh yeah we can do all kinds of stuff yeah the Cow hunt. chicken on a stick rat uh, rat on a stick i'm sorry what was that is it perry what was that question uh do you hunt uh i don't um but you can uh, we we usually for food we usually uh make monthly big, big grocery trips to the store at six hours away and stock up on all of our different types of food that we get. So, um, we'll get our chicken, our beef from there, freeze it and, uh, bring it back to, to our base, um, and then prepare it throughout the month. So. So you don't take a rifle out and kill game and then bring it back in and butcher it up. I mean, you could, you definitely could. Um, I, it's just not my, my personal cup of tea, but if, if you're into that thing, you definitely could. <laughs> uh-huh. Al, Alan would go, let me tell you. I, I'll he's be there for that. Shot. He's a shot. He's a good shot. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hunting, big game hunting, not, not like directly in our area, but not too far from us. Um, you can find some good big game hunting like kudu and sable and all the big fun types that people like to hunt steve 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 uh, andrews is a big hunter so he uh they're they're planning that as a part of their trip over of uh, uh ending it with some hunting so how do they they're not they must not be bringing weapons into the country they they're going to rent them while they're there i actually don't know how what their plans are for that i don't know what they've done in the past i know you can yeah i know i know bringing them into the country is very difficult so my assumption would be that they would um they would uh, have to use what's what's available. Yeah, I would think it'd be a little tough to get it through uh, through T- TSA and through uh, customs. Yeah, yeah. TSA is easy. Carry your guns right through the the <laughs> airport. Put them in. They'll take them. I've heard so that you- Zambia Zambia immigration I've heard is very strict on guns and like they have a very long arduous process for like approving them through and so I've heard of some horror stories of like guns getting stuck at immigration for like a month uh, so I don't know I don't know if that's a thing or you know like I, said, I personally haven't tried to do it so I just know from word of mouth yeah I've traveled here in the states and that's not hard at all but we allow guns to go whereas Zambia if you put it in the in the luggage, or you or you haven't carried it on, it's not a carry on. It goes through yeah. luggage, luggage, and you have to go through yeah. the. They sign up, it. Yeah, sign your papers and. Yeah. yeah. Can't take ammunition. That's 
that was the one thing I couldn't do. Okay. Yeah, I told you. I told you about my buddy who had uh, live rounds with him when he was uh, flying into Britain. He had to go into Amsterdam first. They, he got through the Detroit airport with his with his ammo. Didn't know he had it with him because he didn't have his gun. He just had ammo because he'd been out shooting and he still had ammo in his in his case. And so he comes into Amsterdam and they found it. <laughs> not not a fun time. Not a fun time. <laughs> Choice. Lost his lost his ammo, lost his uh, magazines, and uh, and uh, and paid a, a pretty hefty fine, but he managed to leave. <laughs> I, I, uh, I accidentally got a knife onto a plane, like a pocket knife, um, without meaning to. I in my duffel, I had a, a. It was actually a larger pocket knife too, which is wild. But it was it was at the bottom of my side pocket, and when I checked my luggage before I started packing, I just missed it. It like blended in with the color of the side, and so I started packing, and and I had packed, I made a mistake and packed like um, toiletries, but they were too big. They were they weren't the approved size, but they were all packed in that side case, you know, side pocket. And so when it went through the the security, it like they they flagged all of the toiletry bottles and stuff but they didn't flag the knife and so they pulled out all of the toiletry stuff and then left the knife in the bottle and so i i got to my destination and opened up my bag and i realized wow i just i went through like three it was like three different um securities and none of them found it so it was wild well we're glad you're still here yeah some prison <laughs> Oh, I have to go, guys. So, uh, Brad, right, was Larry, excellent yeah, listening to you. Are, Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us, guys, today. God bless. Those of you who need to take off, that's fine. If you want to stick around and give Bradley a hard time, that's fine, too. Um, if there's one one other quick thing I could just say is like an encouragement, um, and I know people are leaving, but um, I just – one of the thoughts that's been really ringing in my head of, you know, a way to help us through these seasons that we're in is, you know, to see everybody as a potential, you know, and I think it's so easy to sometimes somebody's on the other side of an aisle of an issue, right? Like they're maybe you're against vaccines and they're for vaccines or you're, you know, you didn't agree with the Kyle Rittenhouse case and they do agree with the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, you know, and you, and you end up on these different sides of the coin and you can really quickly be like, what are you, are you stupid? You don't understand like this. How do you not get this? Like, what is wrong with you people? Like, uh, you know, we, we start to like have language and thoughts like this. And if we're not careful, we don't, we don't stop to think like, man, is that how Jesus would like Jesus gave his life for these people? Like, is he, would he, would he talk about them that way? Would he think about them that way? And, you know, just to realize like, man, I'm, I'm more than anything, I'm called to just be love, you know, just to be someone who is kind and courteous and considerate and thoughtful and compassionate and um, doesn't mean you don't share truth and doesn't mean you don't talk about issues. It just means you do it in a way to where they, the person first feels like you love them, not yeah. like you're trying to change them. And, you know, Jesus was super convicting and yet people were still they wanted to follow him. They, they were drawn to him, even though he was very convicting as a person, you know, and he never, he never, um, he never 
hid the truth or didn't share the truth and, and, you know, afraid to offend somebody, but the way he lived and talked to people and the way he looked at people and the way he, his demeanor when he was with them made them feel comfortable, you know, to where they could come to him and they wanted to come to him. And, you know, just trying to remember to be, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the thing that we need to remember is that God looks at us at our potential. And if we would, could see people based upon their potential, not upon where they are right now, because God Good. loves us enough to accept us as we are, but he loves us so much more. He's not going to leave us where we are. He's going to bring us towards our potential. And I think if we just looked at people and said, well, what kind of potential do these people have for the kingdom, for God, it would change the way we respond to them. Yeah. And, and I've recently, you know, I say recently, I, over the last couple of years, it started to ring more and more true in my mind. It's like, I need to start looking at it from the perspective of they have this much potential, maybe they have more potential than I do for serving God. And what God sees in them, the potential that he sees in them is way beyond what, what where they are right now. And if we could just review them from the same perspective that God does, I think it would you're right. It would change our attitude. It would change the way uh, our actions, perhaps. So yeah, that's that's good. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well said, gentlemen. Got to go. All right, man. Judge Bradley, uh, thanks for your sharing. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks, Have Dan. Good holiday, gentlemen. Yep. Take care, Dan. Have a great Thanksgiving. All right. Any other thoughts? You take off, Bob. Okay. God bless. Yep. Hey, just a note. We had Brad at our last Wednesday open house, and yeah. uh, we recorded that event. So maybe I'll send you a copy of the link to that recording. That'd be great. In fact, 